This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Brian O'Neill, media editor for Comic Book Yeti, and today I'm sitting down with Doug Wagner and Tim Odlin to the creative team behind Image's new Viking-fueled miniseries, Beware the Eye of Odin. Thanks for joining me today, gents. Yes. Hey, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for inviting us, man. Yeah. So I did a little research, a little background, so I'm cheating, but <laughs> you really must tell me how a Crunchwrap Supreme leads to the genesis of a Norse mythology comic oh. book. Because Taco <laughs> Bell's not your standard inspiration for that kind of fair, right? <laughs> no, I think, well, that's probably more my fault than Tim's fault, I think. Um, I mean, we met at a drink and draw in Salt Lake City when I first moved to Salt Lake City about, what, 11, 12 years ago. Um, I knew Ryan Otley just a little bit. And Ryan had kind of put together this, like, little drink and draw where they'd meet at a coffee shop, you know, drink and draw. And uh, I went down there and, you know, kind of met everybody there and then found out, like, Tim actually lived in the same part of town that I did. And then, like, we're, we're talking and it's like, oh, it's not even, like, three or four minutes from each other. And it's kind of, it was like a 30 minute drive to get to, you know, where we met every week. And so Tim's like, Hey man, why don't we, why don't we start riding together? I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. And so like, you know, we started becoming friends. Um, Tim's kind of shy at the beginning. And so like, as you get to know him, he's sharing more and more of his art and we start talking and stuff. And then, uh, and then he's, you know, we say, he's like, Hey, what do you do for lunch? I'm like, dude, like I go to Taco Bell almost every day for lunch. Like that's my thing. And so once a week, Tim started meeting me there. And I'll let, I'll let Tim, Tim talk now. Yeah. I mean, and then we, we'd uh, just talk comics and stuff and talk about like what was going on with the industry. And, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know, we just found out that we, we had a lot of similar interests, you know? And then eventually, I guess, eventually I was like, we should, we should just work. Let's do something together. So and this is yeah. your first significant project together, correct? Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So where did like Thor and the rest of the, the, the Motley crew, you know, like Norse mythology, Taco Bell, you know, like, so you're just, <laughs> okay. you're just rambling on and 
Well, so we decided to work on something together and we were like, well, let's just do something short, like a little one shot or something. Okay. And Doug was like, well, he's like, what do you want to draw? And uh, I had a few things, but I was like, let's do uh, something with trolls and Vikings. And uh, he said, I love it. So, I mean, uh, trying to think back and I don't know, I don't know why, but <clears throat> I, can, I have Norwegian heritage and my, my uh, father would always tell us these troll stories, you know, okay. we go camping or something around the campfire or, and he'd tell us all these like old Norwegian troll tales. And uh, I never really um, saw that type of troll in like American media. I thought it was really cool because they have like a lure and a um, kind of like, like vampires and werewolves. There's like a cool way to kill them. They have specific rules and stuff. And so <clears throat> I thought, well, I mean, if you got trolls and Vikings, there's gotta be an awesome story in there. And we talk about, we talk about different movies that we liked that were kind of similar in the same vein and, and just kind of, that's kind of how it, started so okay yeah and you've got this trio of, of our intrepid adventures in this story so you got the viking prince a girl who's convinced she's a valkyrie and a one-armed smith so it, it feels kind of like loki may even have a touch in this you know on because on the surface like how they couldn't get that far against frost giants let's say so 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 what's going on with the story what do you think doug uh, you know, I mean, for uh, what we wanted to really do here was like, you know, obviously try to stay away from everything Marvel and everybody else has done with like Thor and Loki and Odin that, you know, that stuff kind of been done so much that we knew there was no way we were going to ever top Walt Simonson. So, you know, it's like, don't even tread on that. Sure. And so when we started diving into that. It's like, okay, so how can we get these Vikings to fight these trolls kind of thing? And, you know, the more research we would do together and, and talk, you know, it just came down to like, hey, where's, what if we use the Eye of Odin? You know, like, what if it was missing? And what does it mean if somebody has it? And so we kind of dived into that. And, you know, as, as the story begins, you know, Helgi's clearly killed a frost giant and he's touched the Eye of Odin. And once you touch it, you're immediately cursed. If you don't return it to the, its rightful owner within like, you know, basically one month, then you die this horrible death of boils and decay. And so, like, he decides he's going to return it kind of knowing that he's going on a suicide mission. He knows he's not going to make it. So then Steiger his you know, probably his best friend in the village anyway, this older guy that, like, looks at him as almost kind of like a son, um, decides he's going to go as well, much to, you know, the chagrin of, of Helgi. He's like, I don't, you know, this is a suicide mission. You need to stay back. And then Kayla just kind of inserts herself. She's like, yeah, I'm going to. It doesn't matter what you think. You know, so like, you know, they're, they're kind of like, Caitlin is all about being a Valkyrie and doing what's right and being somebody's true friend. Uh, Steiger's kind of like, Steiger's honestly, he's, he's okay if it's a su suicide mission. You know, he used to be a, a regular warrior with two arms. And he's been kind of regulated down to the like, now he's just a blacksmith and nobody really takes him serious anymore. Right. If you know anything about the Viking lore, like the only way you get into Valhalla is to die in combat. You right. have to yeah. die with honor. Right. Sure. And so he knows, like, I think Steiger's kind of like Helgi. He's like, yeah, I know this is a suicide mission, but this is my only way I'm going to get to Valhalla because nobody else will give me a shot. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're dealing with Norse mythology just saturated, embedded in the fabric <clears throat> of our, our culture, pop culture even. So, you know, what kind of made you want to put your own spin of it on it? And I read, Tim, specifically, you wanted to include dwarves. Why dwarves? <laughs> well, I think with mythology, um, I think the reason it's so popular in media is because people kind of want to see the new take on it because everyone has a different take and it's fun seeing the variations, you know, it's fun seeing, Oh, well, this is what Loki looks like, or this is, <clears throat> and uh, I mean, the, the dwarf thing, um, there's gotta be all kinds of different. We wanted to show that, well, that part of the story is Helgi before all these legends were just stories to him. He didn't know that these were a real thing. And so dwarves is just part of the mythology that comes forth. You know, a frost giant. He first finds out there's frost giants and trolls and dwarves. He's just discovering this, this, uh, this legendary world's actually out there and true. So, I mean, dwarves go all the way back in, and, uh, you know, like Lord of the Rings, they go all the way back in Norse mythology as smiths and creators, and they're, they're an important part of that. So, so I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty clever. And I and our dwarfs are a little bit different than um, the regular dwarfs. What you think of a, a regular dwarf? And uh, that was, I think, that was Doug's idea, and I think he had a, a pretty pretty clever idea how to convey them. So. Doug, you taking this one? Oh, yeah. I mean, what was, what's fun about working with Tim is um, he, he, I, always, I always kind of think like he and I work in a, it's like two kids in a sandbox. So like we'll show up and, and Tim was just like, what about dwarves? I think we should have dwarves. It'd be cool to have a fight scene with dwarves. And I'm like, yeah, but we need to do our own thing on it. And so we just kind of started bouncing ideas around. And you're like, okay, here we've got these Smiths. And as I was, Tim gave me some great books that he had from his childhood. And I started looking through some and I bumped into something that said, called them Earthian Smiths. And I was like, wait a minute, what if they're made of earth? Like, what if they're not human, you know, or like flesh and blood, like we think of, but they're actually like Earthian Smiths, like they're made of earth. So like Gollum kind of thing? Yeah, almost okay, like okay. Gollum, you know, like they live in mountains, they make weapons. And that would make sense to me. Like, of course they make weapons out of metal because that's where they're from. Like, it's almost like us, you know, make, you know, eating oranges kind of thing. Sure. You know, it's like, it's the same organic matter. And then Tim, you know, Tim was like, yeah, let's do that. And he came back with like a couple of drawings of like these rock guys with like these incredible weapons. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> Tim just ran with it. And I think the difference there is like, again, Tim and I are always going to try to play with the, the little, a little bit of what you would expect. And even though they're like made of this huge rock and they're carrying these massive weapons, they're incredibly agile and quick. To kind of play against that you know normally when you see golems right they're like the big oh you yep. know like you know so almost like a frankenstein you know classic sure. frankenstein and so we wanted to kind of like play on that and go oh no not our not our dwarves <laughs> yeah so how much liberty did you take with the mythology like the the first issue has the the hundred folk in it or the hidden people that seemed pretty true to form i think well, I think we, that started out something else, and Tim and I kept playing with it. <laughs> yeah, um, there was a there, and that, that's on me for being like you know because sometimes I don't read clearly, and it was originally Holdrafolk, right, Tim? Yeah, 
Yeah. That's like some kind of like forest <laughs> witch. Yeah, it's like spirits of the forest. And there's a legend of this beautiful woman that comes from the forest and seduces young men into the forest. And she's actually a troll. She has a tail, right? And uh, she seduces them in the forest and her family, her troll family eats him. But she's very beautiful. But if you keep her in town and you marry her in a Christian church, her tail falls off and she's human. Right. So that's kind of that was that was kind of that version. And so I I, I kind of wanted the, the name was too similar to that, you know. So we yeah. want to kind of create our own thing. I started from there, but honestly, yeah. the, the hundred folk that we use are based on some of Tim telling me stories that his dad told him about like elves living in the barn and stuff and like all these creepy stories. And I'm like, your dad told you that when you were four years old, like how to freak out and hit under the bed for like a year. Yeah. And so he's like telling me about all these little, you know, creatures. And I don't know how I got the two confused, but I did. Cause you know, that's me. And I was like, Oh, holder folk, here's these little elves in this forest. And you know, they're more da- far more dangerous than you think they are. You know, they're only, you know, this, you know, four five, six inches tall. Right. And uh, I, I called them holder folk the whole time until we got the thing done. And then Tim's like, yeah, we can't call them that. That's wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had to bounce ideas around to like figure out what to rename them. Yeah. So you've got that strong, you know, Norse mythology presence in fandom. We're saturated right now with Thor, Love and Thunder, you know, all these Viking shows. Is it is it easier or harder or eh, to tell a unique story in that space? Well, I think the way we did it in our story is we took the Norse mythology, um, like the gods and, and Ragnarok as a foundation and wove our, wove our story beside that. So, so, I mean, it doesn't matter what your version in your mind of Loki looks like or Freya or any of those, because, um, that's, that doesn't really concern our story too much. Our story just exists within that realm, you know, where it is a, a, like a foundation. That's a foundation that exists that uh, supports the story. But, um, and then what was your question? It was. <laughs> Mine specifically? About, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just with, with everything in fandom right now and, yeah. and Norse mythology kind of being everywhere. You know, was it easier or harder or just, you know, eh, we sh- we're just doing our own thing. This is just organic, you know, like yeah. to tell your, you know, a unique story with a Norse overlay, if you will, in, in the space, in comic space. Yeah. Well, I thought it, I thought it was fun d- doing our own take on it. Well, this is how I view it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I can't speak to Doug, but um, for me, that was part of the fun is like, okay, how do we make this unique? take what exists as, as a base and create something unique from it, but still stay true to like, I mean, if that's a religion, you know, with Thor and Odin and Loki still stay true to those concepts, but move, move in a fresh new direction. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Elaborate. Uh, I was going to say exactly what Tim's saying. Like what was fun to me about it was like trying to take what we was known. Like you almost take it for granted. Like, yeah, this is what Thor looks like. This is what Loki looks like. This is what dwarves look like. And Tim and I go and yeah, we're not doing any of that. 
we want to change all of that, you know, and then what was great about, I mean, and, and that started from day one when Tim showed up with some, some sketches of trolls and I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. Your trolls are incredible. We got to change the whole world. Like the whole world has to look like Tim's initial trolls. Like everything has to be different and unique. Otherwise that didn't feel like the trolls would sell as well. And it's like, if you only change one thing, but everything else looks like say Marvel, everybody's going to go, oh, this is Marvel, but Tim made different trolls. It's not anything unique. And so we like, I had so much fun with Tim, like trying to reimagine all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the trolls were definitely, they, they jump out at you. I don't want to give anything away. I want to make people read this because it's a lot of fun, but like the, the trolls are different for sure. <laughs> and one of the things that really stuck out to me is your, your call to adventure is like really accelerated. You've got Prince in the village, I have Odin, curse, frost giant head, let's go, right? So is, is the background important or is the setting the thing? It, it sort of sounds like it was this organic process, you know, for, for you guys working together to create the world. Yeah, totally organic. And that goes all the way back to what Tim said. We initially started aiming for a 40 page one shot. And so the reason why it starts out so quick is because Tim and I are like, hey, we want to get to the fighting stuff. Yeah. And as you know, it now is like 160 pages plus because once we got past the call to adventure, we went crazy. <laughs> and, and, and what was fun about that is like, both of us are guilty of it. Like Tim would be like, hey, I think I'm gonna add two pages here. And I'd be like, oh, well, if you're gonna do that, let's do this. And so Tim would take like, I would write a say five panel action page. And Tim would turn that into five double page spreads that are just absolutely gorgeous. And I, I know you've looked at it like Tim goes nuts with the detail on some of that stuff. And so, you know, we just got kind of carried away as we went along. And, you know, like I said, you know, we're a year into this and we're like, um, we're already a hundred pages. Like we were thinking 40 and we're just like, eh, we'll just keep going. You know? yeah. So, yeah. The call of adventure is quick. It, and really it just sets them on the adventure. And like you said, I think the setting is just kind of like to set the table and the rest of it's just adventure. So, Tim, what was the hardest thing to draw so far? Oh, the hardest thing to draw? When there's supposed to be a big battle with lots of people, you know, it's, uh, I mean, the easy, the easy decision is to be like, well, I'll just draw lots of people, right? But the hard decision is how do I not draw lots of people and still make it look like lots of people? And usually, I mean, I'm usually those images are much better images because you can see, I mean, they're more dynamic, right? Right. Yep. So I guess, I mean, big battle scenes are, they were hard trying to figure out uh, how not to draw too much. And uh, I drew a lot. I drew a lot <laughs> of trolls. But it, I mean, it's fun because the tro trolls, each troll could be different, you know? And uh, you can add an extra arm or more eyes or another head. So it was really easy to make them unique. And it was really fun. So there's a lot of trolls in this. Well, please include these in, this, in a sketchbook. Like if you it, with the trade, you've got oh, yeah. to put troll, <laughs> troll sketches in there then. Yeah, I had a little, little troll workshop where I could move things around. And, and uh, I mean, I didn't go in too much detail when I was designing them, but I, I drew just enough to be like, okay, there's a unique guy. There's a unique guy. And then while I was drawing the actual comic, I could look at that and say, well, I'm going to put this guy's head on that guy and move him around and stuff. So... 
and you kind of had to learn that along the way, right? Because I mean, I remember like when you first started out, um, the first double page spread was of the hundredfold, which I think you drew a hundred hundredfold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tim's brother, Tim's younger brother, Kyle, is an amazing artist on his own and, and was like, dude, you've got to stop doing this. You can't draw a hundred people on every page. Yeah. And I think Tim was like, oh yeah, you're right. And they kind of like, Tim had to learn that along the way of like, okay, Doug keeps writing these huge epic fight scenes. I need to learn how to tell that without having to draw a hundred people. Yeah. But it was I, fun. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I'm hearing less is more, right? But there's this big ass boar. So, and it was just like more tusks, the better was like yeah. what I'm getting to. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So there's all these things going on and it's visually dense at times. So how did you convince Michelle Madsen to join you on your jolly adventure then? Oh, she's my savior. <laughs> she's, she's the colorist. I should say. She, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. She is amazing. I yeah. Mean, she, She's got a throwback style, you know, as a colors. It, it reminds me of some of the old, like, mid-70s Werewolf by Night or Tomb of Dracula. You know, it's, it's a it's nice style. Yeah, I, she, I, did a, I did some pages a certain way, and they're very specific. <clears throat> and I showed those to her, and she could replicate it with no problem. There was just little fine-tuned things here and there. And, uh, and she was like, a hundred times faster than, than I could ever color anything. And I mean, I give her notes and she wouldn't complain. She just do it and make it look even better. So yeah, she is amazing. So did you have a relationship already then or? No, I think that, that she's Dave Stewart's wife. And so oh, I'd I worked with Dave Stewart before. Okay. And, and I was asking, you know, I showed Dave the, the pages knowing that, Knowing Dave would be like, no, I'm not, I don't color like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I said, do you know anybody that could get close to doing what Tim's doing and is really cool to work with? And he came back with like, I think he came back with two people and he said, Michelle, just so you know, total, you know, honesty, she's my wife. And so I said, well, I mean, Dave, you know, you and I get along great. Surely you're, if you, your wife's got to be cool too. And we brought her on board. And like Tim said, like, I mean, she hit the ground running and immediately was like so close to what Tim was doing right out of the gate. And then, like he said, he, she, he would give her notes and no complaints, no, like uh, you guys are asking too much or any of that. She, and then it would come back and be a little bit better than even Tim thought it could be. And so it was just one of those relationships and she just a phenomenal person, very professional, easy to get along with. You know, she, she had plenty of reasons to complain about us and she did. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it's visually intense and, and it, but I think there, she's she's got a softness about you know kind of muting some of some of those things out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really nice style. The other thing too cool about her is so I'm Norwegian. My heritage Norwegian, and uh, hers is Danish. So she's also Scandinavian, and I think her her mother moved here from Denmark, I believe. But so and she knows a little bit of Danish, and I know some Norwegian. So it's kind of fun. Just I mean, had that kind of connection to the book with the heritage thing. So did her parents try to scare her all the time when she was a kid? I don't know. You, you, I don't know. I, I should have asked her. <laughs> Mine did. I grew up in the South and like, I, it's funny because hearing you talk about your dad telling you, you know, the Norse mythology. So Appalachia has its own cast of, you know, mythologies. Um, and I shared you a little bit about it, you know, earlier. And uh, yeah, anyway, 
<laughs> Parents will do that. Yep. yep. My, mine was my grandfather. My grandfather would terrify me and I loved it. Like he, he would just tell me these stories of dragons and sometimes it'd have aliens and monster, you know, like same thing. But I mean, the, the, the bad thing about my grandfather is he just made it all up. There was no like no reason <laughs> mythology or anything. He's like, oh, there's a dragon that lives down the street. And I was like, what? <laughs> Not cool. So how'd you guys pitch this to, to image and sell them on another Norse mythology take? Well, um, we were get, what we we're going to do is we we're either going to do a web comic or a Kickstarter. Okay. And then uh, there was a convention here in Minneapolis. I saw that Eric Stevenson was looking at, he was looking at pitches. They said that he was doing an open uh, pitch thing for anyone to just walk in and show them the pitch. And I was taking my pages to different artists and just kind of getting input from them and i thought well eric stevens publisher and image maybe he'll i mean maybe if i could just get him to look at my pages and he can give me some some input you know and i wasn't like my goal wasn't to get a book at image you know i was like let's let's see what he says i mean because i was i was like i don't know if i'm at the professional level but it'd be interesting to see what he said so i took my book to him and uh he looked through it and he thought he, he told me, he's like, yeah, this is definitely something we would publish. And I said, Oh, that's great. So he gave me his card and, uh, I didn't tell Doug or anything I was going to. And then Doug texts me and he's like, how does Eric Stevenson know about this book we're working on? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then I told him and, Oh yeah. When I, when I did, meet him at, in Minneapolis I told him that he asked me who was writing it and I told I told him Doug and he's like oh yeah he's like Doug's my friend I've done books with him before so I think that helped and and then he from there emailed Doug about it and as we were working on it he he uh I guess he kept uh kept in touch and wanted to know exactly when it was done and and we got a deal from him it's so. cool. Yeah. I love hearing the background because that is absolutely the opposite of what I would have anticipated. I would have anticipated like that it, it would have been a, a Doug thing, having, you know, done other books at Image, known for things that are a little bit different, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, it was a total shock because like Eric came back that Monday and immediately sent me an email. So I wake up Monday morning and open up my email and there's a, an, an email from Eric going, what's up with this Odin book? And I'm like, you know, again, like Tim saying, I'm like, how do you possibly know about the Like we had nothing online. I hadn't told anybody. We did one signing where we told people about it and gave them like a free ash can. And I'm like, I don't understand. So like I'm texting Tim. I'm like, dude, how did this happen? And then Tim calls me and tells me the story. And I'm like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. Like, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was just one of those freak accident almost kind of happenings. I mean, what's the odds of error going to a small, tiny con in Minnesota, like and bumping into Tim. And like, going to Taco Bell. I mean, right, exactly. <laughs> so we're at a four issue limited series right now, but I, I have this feeling that there's more to tell than this. So where's the story going? Well, I mean, obviously there's always more when you're talking about Norse mythology, because we have a whole world already pre-built for us to work with. 
And right now, as you like, we already have confessed to, we've got 160 pages. So all four, all four issues are going to be double sized. And so, you know, you're getting like a, a nice meat, you know, for each issue. Yeah. Um, and then it honestly it just depends on, on how fans feel about it. And, you know, obviously it's got to sell well for us to, to continue to do it. And that's always the trick, right? I mean, it's, you know, hopefully people like it enough to where they want Tim and I to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I've, I've got to ask, it's the most cursed question and I absolutely hate asking it. However, I have to, and, and the, the, the appropriate response is not everybody. Who's going to love this book? Well, Tim's son. <laughs> my son's six and he is- Start he, with six-year-olds? I don't know. Yeah. My six son's six old. and he was, he was very disappointed that it was continued. He was, he was like, what happens? What? And I said, we got to wait till next month. And he's like, what? Oh, month? <laughs> so, I mean, I think it, there is, there is some violence. There's a little bit of blood in it, but I don't think it's overly grotesque. I mean, uh, there's nothing you're not going to see in the X-Men. Yeah. I'll tell you uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, Honestly, I think a six-year-old would be okay. Yeah, for me, I think it's I mean, Tim and I were in this, you know, the, the movies we were inspired by. I think are the right is the right audience. So if you love stuff like, say, Thirteenth Warrior, yep. or any of the, you know, Tim, Tim always mentioned this, the Ray Harryhausen movies, any of that kind of stuff, any of the adventure stuff, Sinbad and the Argonauts, you know, that kind of stuff. If you're into that kind of stuff and you like that kind of like adventure, that's not necessarily you know, too over the top as far as like trying to make things too complicated. This is a very straightforward action adventure story set in Norse mythology. And I think, so that, that group, um, I know, I'm, I mean, most people aren't going to know Troll Hunter, but there's a Norwegian movie. It's called Troll Hunter. If you like that, you're going to love this. And we're just kind of looking for the people that are into, into that kind of adventure story, not necessarily, you know, obviously it's not a Marvel or DC kind of book. Yeah. Well, what else you guys got going on? Tim, I want to start with you. I looked at your Insta and you've been designing stuff kind of all <laughs> over the map. I'm a dog person, so tell me about Wolfgang Man Beast. Okay, yeah. Um, it's a company that I do contract work for and they make uh, dog collars and leashes and uh, I do designs and textile designs and illustration for the dog collars. So it's, so it's like... Uh, it, there's like kind of illustrations and textile patterns and stuff. So I, I do a lot of that work and I do, I do a lot of uh, just kind of random freelance stuff like t-shirts and sometimes. Uh, I saw rings on there. Yeah. Some I've done designs for uh, Enzo, which is a ring company. So I, I do like uh, product illustration and stuff on the side. But my hope is to to move from that into the comics zone. Comics. So yeah, Doug. What else is going on with you? What's in the pipeline? Really, I mean, uh, you know, Tim and I are trying to get this book put to bed because you know when you're talking about double size issues, that's a lot of extra work. Right. Um, okay. And what's the release schedule for this book? June twenty second, I believe the first issue comes out. Okay. And where can everybody find you online, or where would you like? people to find both of you online rather go ahead Tim. well you can i'm always on well i'm on instagram uh at odlin at odlin tim 
that's my Instagram. So you can see what I'm up to there for now. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I got a Twitter, but I don't use it too, too often. Um, yeah, just find me on Instagram. Beautiful pictures of dogs, collars, rings, tattoo designs. I thought it was cool, man. Thanks. And for me, I mean, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, and it's, it's Doug period Wagner 13. So pretty easy to find on either one of those. Awesome. Well, after reading it myself, I, I certainly could say fans of mythology, fantasy, adventure, frankly, people who love D&D, you know, are really going to enjoy this book. I hope we've teased enough to entice everyone to pick it up. Tim and Doug, thanks so much for joining me today to chat about the book. No, thanks so much for yeah, having us on, you. man. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. You. This is Byron O'Neill on behalf of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.